Today's sermon text is from Ephesians 3, verses 9 through 11. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This has been the word of the Lord. So my fancy introduction is I'm Alan. So we're here to study. Um, one of the things that uh, is important is any field you want to know about something is to know what the basics are and, and really what's to focus on those things, whether it's sports or anything else. And my intention is to help us to understand really to sharpen the focus of the Christian in the church. There's a book by that sharpening the focus of the church. And part of our understanding is to make sure we understand what is essential. What are we doing? Many things occupy us. Common for the Christian is Bible study, prayer, family, work, marriage, children, government, leisure, helping others, money, physical health, social interaction, church, and God. How do I mix all those together make sure that I put those in the right perspective? Um, often what happens is we can't see things because there's so many things we can occupy. So how do I fit those together? And I guess it's been from the very beginning I've been a Christian is trying to understand it. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, and so the thing is, is that what is this about? Is it about the music? Is it about raising your hand? You know, is it all of these things? And um, since I uh, have a problem with dyslexia, I, I didn't understand the Bible real well very easily, so I started from the back and worked my way forward, because that way I know the conclusion and how it works. It's not really a great thing to do, but I didn't know how to put things together, and that's what we're going to do this morning, is try to put together a bigger picture what the Christian life is about and how that fits into the church. So it really begins with the question of Why? And maybe it might be better to think about it in the words that Jesus said to Martha. Remember those words when uh, the dialogue with Mary, you are anxious and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good part. And so the thing is that you want to make sure in the Christian life you realize what the good part is, what is the essential element. So why is the... Why is everything? Ultimately, the answer is God himself is the reason why. And as all of his purposes stem from why he is doing what he is doing. A couple verses, if you travel along with me, Isaiah, we're going to start off Isaiah chapter 49. This is what it says. It says, and he said to me, and this is concerning Israel, it says, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. So why did he select Israel? He selected Israel to show who he was. So the bigger picture is, is God is showing us who he is like, and he is using, in the Old Testament, Israel, to display his greatness. 
So what was Israel? It is a display of his glory. Also in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, it says this, Now therefore I pray, if, you have, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, and notice this connection, that I may know you. So the big picture is, is that God is making his glory, his person known. He is displaying that when we see his ways, we learn who he is. So what am I looking for? I'm looking to see him explain it himself. In Habakkuk 2.14, it says that he is going to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory, the knowledge of it, who he is. And if you look at the history of Israel, and you can look into Habakkuk because it helps to address the whole problem of evil. Why did he let Israel do? Why does God allow these things? Why did he go into captivity and all that stuff? And the ultimate answer was so that he could show himself through their captivity in Babylon and through all of that activity that Daniel records and all of that because he wanted to reveal who he is. So it answers the question, why is evil allowed? Why does he allow certain things to happen? So in God's history, God's history, he has recorded certain things like creation, corruption, all of those things he has recorded, but the church is a specific entity at which he has recorded that. If you see, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us how these culminating ideas in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse 26, there it tells us, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. This is these aspects. But now, once at the consummation of the age, that's the time we're in, consummation of the age, he has been manifested or displayed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So in all of these ages, the, from creation, corruption, the confusion, the catastrophe, the flood, the covenants in the Old Testament, Christ and the cross, all of them are culminated in this display of Christ on the cross. That is central to what the purpose of God is. He has culminated his expression that way. Now in Colossians, Colossians, now it narrows down in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Here it narrows down for the church, the Christian in the church. It says, to whom, that is the saints, God willed or purposed to what? To make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. So what is he making known? He is making known his riches. How is he making known in the whole coming together of Christ in the believer and in the church? So the church is to display Christ. There are two aspects. He is not only we are to learn about Christ, we are to live Christ. We are not only to see who he is as he displays himself, but we are also to manifest that display. So it helps to narrow down what we really are about. Paul expressed that in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer that I live, but Christ lives in me. 
So how do I measure that I am walking according to God's purpose? I am measuring it by a Christ-like life. As I experience Christ and then express that experience of Christ through me, that is God's eternal purpose. So this is really to help focus us. These are things that we understand and know, but we need to remember how, how does God, in the, in the greater picture, God is displaying his greatness, his might, his power, but how can I kind of narrow down to look for some certain aspects? And uh, this is found in Romans chapter 11. This is a very significant verse, and it's often overlooked because uh, it's categorized in a doxology, but technically the doxology is only the last part. But it says this, and this is really profound. It says, for from him and through him and to him is everything. Now think about that for a minute. He is displaying that he is the source of everything. So when I look about what God is doing, I'm looking to see that he is the source of all of this. Secondly, it says it is um, through him. Use the preposition dia, through. It is the channel. I'm looking through to see through what he is doing. Now, if you look at all of this, this salvation follows this pattern. He is the source of salvation. He is the means of salvation. He is, to him, is, he is the goal of salvation. So I need to see it. Creation is the same way. Ministry is the same way, though. All of ministry has to come from him, has to be done through him, and done for him. Why? Because that's what he's displaying. That's what he's showing. And I think is what happens is you get mixed up in the middle often. You know, like it says, test the spirits to see if they are from God. Otherwise, you are to reject them. We are to do all things for the glory of God. But the means is how our methods, our methods have to be from him as well. The difficulty with this is you have to know this, that the counter display is happening in the world too. The other one is to see that they're displaying it's all from me, I, I did it my way, and it's all for my credit. And uh, there's two accounts, but one of them is in Daniel, and it says this. This is Nebuchadnezzar. It says, The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the means of my, uh, the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? So this is the counter one. All of society is doing the other. They want to take credit. They want to show you their methods. You can purchase methods on how to do everything. But the thing is, is that it gives credit to the man. So the idea is to sharpen the focus of the church is this. It is to help his eternal purpose. And uh, now we turn to our key passage in, uh, in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. And in the midst of this, he tells us what is the eternal purpose 
of the church, which encompasses what the Christian life is for our time. The good news is to display this aspect of the church. The bigger plan being revealed in the mystery includes wisdom. So it says this, verse 9, it says, And to bring to light, bring to the surface, what is the administration, that's kind of the management of the mystery. The mystery is something that was not fully revealed in the old, but now is revealed. That was basically this mystery which for ages now, this is a term to describe the idea of different periods like I was talking about. There is the future age, there is the present age, there's different ages in which God, what? Reveals something about himself. It goes on, it says, um, the hidden who God created all things. God created this. He manages this. This is what he's about. This is what he wants you to see. So, what happens is that I need to be in the whole process looking to learn from what God is showing me. And then from that learning, to have it change me, and then from that, to display that. So that's what the Christian life is. It's not a lot of other things. There's going to be a lot of other things that the Christian community has made it about that, but it's not about that. It also tells us the church... And this is important in verse 10. It says, so that the manifold wisdom of God, multifaceted wisdom of God, might now be made known through the church. And who to? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now this makes it a kind of an odd thing because basically the wisdom of God is designed with an audience in mind that the other audience are the people or the beings that are self-aware, which are angels. It's really just a term to say angels. So we are really on the stage of God's performance and displaying it not only to the world, but also to the angels. God says it's important. He's going to tell us that that's his eternal purpose. So the, what are they looking at? What are they looking into? What are they watching? They're watching how the church functions in the wisdom of God. That's what, he's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Everybody who believes in here is to function is, am I operating in God's wisdom or not? How I navigate, and see, this is a means idea. This is how I do things. Am I navigating? Most people determine the will of God by a hunch, feeling, I like this. I do this. I think this is what God wants. But it's important. So the operation for the church collectively and individually is to operate by God's divine wisdom. That's why we have to use scripture. The reason why we teach you scripture is this is the means by which God will help to guide you in his wisdom. Why? Because the angels are watching, the world is watching, and God is displaying it. Verse... Uh, Ephesians 3.10 says, This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. Now, the whole subject of angels is kind of an interesting thing. Paul says, I have become a spectacle to men and to angels. I mean, I did a separate study on the whole angel thing. Sometimes, maybe it was my idea, that we think of somehow angels as almost like pets. You know, and what I mean by that is that 
they're just kind of there, and they kind of do these functions, but we don't think of them as beings like ourselves in the sense that they make choices, they think about things. They are directly involved in displaying themselves and part of the audience. So all of this basic drama that God is bringing about is to show who he is. The reason why he lets you participate in ministry, the reason why you get to be involved, is because in the involvement of it, you get to experience who God is. When you preach the gospel and share his life, then what happens? You're a part of it. And he does that with the angels as well, the elect angels. But I think there's also a rebuking element to the fallen angels. So how, how does God do this display? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it talks about that each person is given a spiritual gift. Every one of us who believe has a spiritual gift. And it says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. How will I show this wisdom, how do I get involved in this? I use my spiritual gift. Now, really, there's only two major categories of gifts. They're the talking ones and the serving ones in general. There are other ones, but you understand the categories are that you're either talking or you're serving. So how do I do my spiritual gift in such a way that God is brought to be seen? And this is found in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it tells us about our spiritual gift and how those gifts are to function. And notice this as I read. It says, to each one, that means no exception, each one has received a special gift. This is what you're doing, employed in serving one another. This is the special laboratory for revealing the gift. Other Christians, okay, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, you're like a manager, you've been given this, and you need to manage this. The grace of God, verse 11, whoever speaks, so if you're speaking gift, let him speak as it were the utterance of God. So if I have a speaking gift. I am to teach or talk as if I'm speaking and God is the one I'm speaking. The reason why you would use scripture and explain things by scripture is that helps to be the utterance of God. Then it goes on to sit there and say, Whoever serves, let him do with the strength that God supplies. So the other way is that if I'm a server or a helper or whatever, I do it, and this is how it does. Well, where'd you get all this strength from? God gave it to me. That's how. Well, where'd you get these words? And technically, I just borrow God and I explain it to you in simple forms. And notice what it says. And all so that for the purpose that all things God may be glorified. God is shown. God is displayed. God is revealed. Now, this is the highest privilege there is to be a Christian, is merely to reveal who God is and to understand who he is. This is how it all, this is, this is the purpose. The idea is too often what happens, we think about like doing this or causing this to happen. You know, some people define the you know, Christian life by how much money they give or whatever. The thing is, it's not about that. It's really about experiencing Christ and revealing Christ. That's why we do what we do. So it's important 
how I do things. I can do the right thing, but if I don't do it the right means, it has no benefit, it has no ultimate reward. And I'm going to explain it by this, by the use of reward. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it talks about rewards. And Paul is explaining, using him and uh, Apollos as an explanation, an analogy in a sense he uses to compare about rewards. You want to know about rewards. So salvation is completely by grace. It's a gift. But rewards, anything extra, that God, what is extra? That's a different subject. You'd have to study that for yourself. We could talk about that, but I don't have time. But the, the reward is worth it. Let's put it this way. Anything, anytime God would ever give away something extra beyond salvation, you should be in line to get it. What, if he says to do this or that, that's what you should do. But notice it says, this is talking about Paul. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I'm the guy who built, I, I'm like a contractor, I'm the person who you know, designs this. Uh, I laid a foundation and other built upon it. Then it says this, but let each, uh, but each man must be careful how, how he builds on it. It is really about how I do it. It's not like we don't measure the Christian life. Oh, I witnessed to these many people, and these people got saved. It's really how I did it. I mean, because you could be really mean. I mean, there are people who pigeonhole other people, like narrow them down and, and grind them away and say, there, I, I told them, you know, you either get right or you're going to hell. You know, I did my job, check, ain't I doing a great job. It's, it's really not that way. It's how I do it. I need to reflect Christ when I tell people. Let's get a little, and I want you to show this. It is interesting to realize this. And Paul We've got to jump back to uh, 1 Corinthians 3.6. And it says this, I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. It just tells you this. It's not about my calling. If you have the notion that somehow because I'm a pastor or a teacher or whatever that I'm going to be rewarded, that's not the issue. I, I don't have a choice about my calling. I'm a waterer. Some people are planters, right? They plant churches, and but who causes the growth? God does, which means what? God gets the credit. He's the one who does that. He determines that. Each play our role. For in verse 7, for so then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. The big deal should be made about God when it comes to. So calling, will not, you will not be rewarded because of your calling. You can be a missionary, whatever. Woe to you if you don't follow what God's will. That's calling, okay? So the thing is, if you don't have that calling, some people think, well, you know, I'm just a helper in a church or whatever. It has nothing, it has to do with how you are doing in the church, if he has called you to help, how you are doing it make, is going to make all the difference. I mean, how does somebody who's a paraplegic do, quote-unquote, do things? 
It's how they do it. Praying, seeking the Lord with what they've been given. So it says this. Now, Hugh plants, and this is how you work together. This is part of the reason that we're hoping with um, you guys is using uh, the building that, uh, that we use as well, is that we're sharing together. What's the purpose of it? We're working together. This is for Hugh plants and Hugh waters are one. Okay, the, the whole point is, is that you share. The, the purpose, why we would do this, because we're on the same team, we're on the same sharing. But reward is this, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You're going to be rewarded further than your salvation based upon your own labor. Not based upon this group, not based upon your family, not based based upon what you're doing. And it's how you do it. You know, the thing is that uh, you can't determine, like, I can't determine whether I'm a man or not that was given to me, okay? My calling was a given too. My calling was a given. You know, it's just like uh, Paul says, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. He doesn't have really an option, does he? So the whole point is, is that I have to be careful how. If, it does, if, if I'm not interested in how I do it, I'm not really going to... See, the reward is not only for the future, it's for now. See, the reward is this, to be an instrument that God uses. So to sharpen your focus, it is really about being the kind of person that God's using in whatever capacity, whether it's in answer to prayers. So in verse 9, it says, well, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. There's a part that belongs to God you can't do nothing about. That's his. It's his building. It's his field. <clears throat> we are working together with him. So if I know that it's how, one of the things I have to realize is how do I change? If I know part of it is, is how I am, it is significant, how do I change? And 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, how do I change? It really means, how do I become transformed? But we all, all of us who believe, with unveiled faces means that we don't have any mask like on Old Testament saints or people, the Jews who can't see. <clears throat> This is important. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You want to change, become like Christ. You have to spend your time viewing Christ. It's easy when you're young. I mean, they had a drug me, ADD type of person if they had the drugs then. But the thing is, I was energy bug. You know, and the thing is that but once I became a believer, I realized the most important thing is knowing who God is. Sitting down was a hard thing to do. You just have to sit down and spend the time listening to God, reading his word. And it says, we with all unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror, looking through a mirror, we behold what? The glory of God, which is his characteristics described in the scriptures, as well as other believers so even every believer is kind of like a mini version, like 
Um, it partly is, is that leaders here are really object lessons. You're here to watch them and ask them, so why, why do you do this and why do you do that? Because you're trying to what? See what Christ is life in flesh and blood. That's what you're doing. So why? So that you can be changed. You know what you'll be changed into? The same image, into Christ. So I know that I am fulfilling God's eternal purpose if I am changing to become like Christ. Not just, you know, I show up to church, go through a few motions, sing a few songs, go away, completely the same. If your mind is not engaged, when the teaching is done, I mean, if you don't find anything when a teacher is teaching, you need to be at least reading your Bible by yourself. I mean, I've been through, through sermons that I couldn't find, that they didn't use enough scripture or explain anything. I just started reading my Bible till I find, because this is your time that God has allowed you to engage corporately. You can do it individually, but there's a certain specialness corporately. And so the thing is, is that that's how we're changed. So I need to focus on, so once I am changed, then in 2 Corinthians 2.14 talks about, this is what happens. And um, I know it's kind of strange sounding, but basically you can smell a Christian. Okay? A real Christian is, almost has a scent to them. And it's not the, you know, bad B.O. or something like that. But this 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I mean, you run in these, you know, this, uh, I was out opening a safe. That's what I do uh, my other job. I was opening a safe, and this guy, we talked for a few minutes, and he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yep. So are you, aren't you? Yep. And you realize there's just that aroma. His discussion, I knew when he was going down the line when, you know, because uh, I'm incognito and, um, you know, I'm just opening his safe. It's, you know, broken or whatever. And so he talks about, oh, I experience God and when I go out in the woods. And then he talks a little longer and then, boom, we realize, oh, it was, it was so neat that somebody is trying to witness to you. It, and then they realize, oh, I don't need to witness to you. You're one of me. You know, and the thing is that we had a great fellowship, but that's what we are. We are aroma of Christ. We are a letter of Christ. And uh, we need to really realize God is concerned about what kind of letter you are. It matters to him because, what, it's a part of his eternal purpose. That's not a side issue. You're not just waiting to get out of this world and go to heaven and, and experience that. You are here to live in the arena to display Christ in your marriage, okay, in your singleness, in your school, in your job. That's what you're there for. You're not just there to get your, check your boxes. and That's what the church is. We are not just here. There's this nice social gathering. How do you figure out, you know, trying to find somebody, eternal mate for your life or something like that? We're here to what? Find Christ. It's not just some way in which to take care of our kids. And um, 
couple other thoughts here. First one is this, is that God is working in you. So this whole process is not left to myself. In Philippians 2.14, it says, uh, to work out your salvation with fear and troubling. Why, how does it work? For God is working in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. He is the one who is working this process to reveal his pleasure and produce pleasure in you about himself. And he is working in your wants and in your work. So you're not alone in the whole process, but it's still our responsibility to work this out. So one of the key areas that you, you're going to be incumbent upon to do is trying to figure out God's will. And that is found in uh, Romans chapter 12. 12, 1 and 2. There are things that we don't know for sure that are God's will. And we have to work it. And the thing is, is that your desire to fulfill God's eternal purpose will help to motivate you, or should motivate you, to figure out these things. In every area of life, you should figure out what God's will, whether it's your finances, what your function in the church is, about your time, about your resources. And this is what it says, For I urge you, I encourage you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, these are God's uh, unmerited favor towards you, to present your body as a living sacrifice, living and holy sacrifice. I am to offer myself... If I have really experienced the mercy of God, the sacrifice comes naturally, which is your spiritual service of worship. Two things, do not be conformed to this world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need to push back at the system and I need to embrace a transformed thinking. My mind needs to be changed. If I am too busy, Note this, if I am too busy to spend time in Scripture and with God, I am too busy. You need to cut until Christ, you have time with him. Then you can go out. But you cannot, you need to have your mind being transformed. And it goes on to proving the will of God. This is a very uh, rich word. The thing is, it means to search. It means to analyze it means to uh, uh, investigate, and the thing is that, but it also means to submit to it. It means ultimately, if it's the will of God, I want to know what it is, and I'm going to listen to it. Because it is good, it is perfect, it is acceptable. It is worth embracing, it is fundamentally important, it's going to be pleasurable, and it's complete. There's nothing lacking in it. Too often, like I said, people find the will of God by their emotional experience, wait for some catastrophe, you know, or some sort of event, voice from God. The thing is, is that he wants us to pursue it. Some things we don't know right at the beginning. We push and find out and investigate. So summarizing, what am I doing in the Christian life? I am viewing God and displaying Christ. How do you display God? By attaining Christ-likeness. That's how I display him. How do you get to be like Christ? You have to spend time beholding who he is and what he's like, pointing out those things, viewing those things like the source things, the means things, and the goals. 
So what is God's eternal purpose for the church and those in it? To reveal God's wisdom. The church should not be stupid, okay? We have the wisdom of God, and we should be able to function with it. We should be able to function, relationships, interaction, other people. The scripture provides us all of that. We sharpen the focus to look at God's greatness by looking at that he is the means. How am I doing things? You should have a pattern or an idea of how to function in any area of life from a scriptural standpoint. How am I going to function? How do I function? Like a lot of times people want to get married, but then you ask them the question, are you ready to get married? What does it mean to be married? I don't know. You're not even ready. You need to figure out how you're going to function. Raise kids? Yeah, you need to know what is the biblical pattern for raising kids? How, how am I going to do my money? I mean, most people think about uh, debt, and they think, well, yeah, debt's really easy. That's where you start. Is that what Scripture says? Is that where you start from? So I'd be careful of how I do things. So proving out the will of God is important because it displays the wisdom of God. And you need to work at this because people are watching. And some people you can't see, or beings, are watching too. Angels want to see they are looking into even salvation to figure it out. And we are people who can display that. I'll pray just before, and then Kent's going to come up. Lord, thank you so very much for this, your divine word, and may we make clear choices about how we'll do things, and may your life be reflected in us. We do this because we're so grateful and thankful for what you have accomplished in our salvation and uh, we want to do it out of great gratitude for you we pray in jesus name amen